0: Welcome to BIV Today. We are the Daily Business News Podcast from Business in Vancouver Newspaper and BIV.com. I'm Tyler
1: Orton. I'm Haley Wooden. And I'm Kirk LePoint.
0: A little later on today, we're going to be speaking to Matthew Klimpenstein, who leads Electron Communications. We're talking all about the biggest stories of the year with regards to electric vehicles and what we should be looking out for in 2019. But... First, I think we want to have like a general outlook uh, between the three of us about what the big stories we should be examining in the year to come will be. What pops out to me, I I love covering the tech uh, beat here for business in Vancouver, and I'm going to be paying a lot of attention to, say, the supercluster pilots that have been starting to develop here in uh, British Columbia. And from what I'm told, a lot of these partnerships between a lot of SMEs and big corporations, they're going to start bearing fruit. In the new year, we have $153 million committed from the federal government for these partnerships, private enterprise, as well as public institutions such as schools, they've committed another $200 million to these programs. There's going to be a lot of these partnerships merging, looking at how you can combine, say, the mining sector with virtual reality. I'm going to be fascinated to see what comes of these supercluster pilots that have already started to take shape late in
2: 2018.
1: Mm. What are you following, Kirk?
2: Um, Look, this was the worst year to invest uh, since 1972. All eight asset classes actually went into decline. Uh, So I'm looking for some kind of a re-spirited enthusiasm around investment in the year. And a lot of that is going to, of course, depend on factors well outside of our control here in Vancouver and British Columbia and Canada, for that matter. I'm, go- I'm going I'm gonna be looking for what the Chinese economy uh, is is doing, whether there are going to be measures that uh, the CPC takes uh, with its own economy to deal with uh, with what I think is a burgeoning debt issue. And of course, to try to uh, try to work through some trade arrangements with the United States that will be amicable. I'd be looking as well around whether we're going to see some kind of a, a slowdown in the American economy that will then have an impact on our capacity to export products in that. Um, most critically, in terms of what we have some control over, for me, the, the critical decision still is the pipeline. And whether we're going to be able to deal with uh getting our oil to the best possible market to so at least have some options to bring it beyond the United States to the wider Asian market, because I think if we if we don't start down that path, then we're really looking at um, an even more precipitous decline in the oil sands of Alberta, and that will be a major drag on our economy for the next decade. Yeah.
0: I don't know if uh, the rail cars is m- much more than, say, a Band-Aid solution. No, not at all.
1: And trucks in some cases too.
2: Yeah. But, but and you don't look,
1: want oil on roads.
2: And it's very clear that uh, there is not any political support for a pipeline toward the east to deal with with, uh, with shipping. But really the best route is to get it through us here, and off to asia and and i i don't see the neb as necessarily uh killing the pipeline but i think we're still going to see delays in it that'll be tied up in the courts once again particularly Involving our First Nations,
1: yeah, and for me, that's a big story. It reared its head in 2018, but in 2019, too, the story of economic reconciliation and how mm-hmm. governments handle nations that are dealing with a wealth of resources, or dealing with new businesses, or dealing with uh, a desire to actually take part in the broader economy. I think that's a really powerful story. On the topic of another pipeline, LNG Canada, and that's starting to get going, as well as whether we'll see additional investments in BC LNG, I think is something to watch for. The expectation is that we might see one. And if we do, that would be huge for the BC economy. And I think just this announcement that we've had over the last year has already boosted BC's expected economic outgrowth, where we otherwise would have been in a bit of a decline because of real estate.
2: Of all the governments to be looking at creating resource projects, an NDP one.
1: Yeah, Yeah. but I think the concern moving
0: forward though is what it means for access to labor. Uh, We don't have enough to proceed with this. We're kind of bring people in from across Canada and frankly, across the globe in order to fulfill a lot of the obligations with regards to big infrastructure projects like this. Even I- small ones.
2: Construction. Yeah. Now, look, we, uh, you know, I think we've we've said this at times. I mean, I, I remember talking to somebody from the Construction Association saying that in order to, to fulfill the infrastructure needs in British Columbia right now, we need to have about one in seven graduates moving into the trades. Instead, we have about one in 69. Right.
0: Mm-hmm. So, how do we address that here moving forward? I don't think there's any sort of short term solution to this. I I think this is actually going to be requiring some very, uh, very much of a long term vision to address this in in what, maybe a decade or two to really get there. And so that's going to be putting strains on the economy moving forward in British Columbia. But how do you
2: square that when you have a very affordable uh, affordability issue in, in our communities, and particularly in this one here? How do you try to attract that talent in? when this is one of the most expensive places on the continent to live.
0: Yeah, I spoke to Ken Peacock from the Business Council of British Columbia. And I said, why aren't, you know, look at all the job openings here. Why aren't people moving to British Columbia? says affordability. P- like People would rather just stay put and not have to deal with how expensive it is here on the West Coast. So again, you, you, in order to you know square that circle, you have to go back an, another step and then figure out how to address this affordability issue. And then, well, if you do that, are, are you going to wipe out kind of the uh, real estate economy here, which is so integral to the BC economy too? Which is
2: also integral to the issue of uh, intergenerational wealth transfer, Yeah, which will pay for the next generation to have its housing. Uh, you're going to have to have your parents, you know, uh, going to their graves, bequeathing you your the the property or the value on that property in order to have your own wealth because there is really no other way to undo it unless the housing market completely craters.
0: Uh, my parents made it very clear. Uh, we have four kids, so good luck fighting it out between the four of you. <laughs>
2: You just had to draw them out of a hat. Are you guys going to draw them (laughs) out of a hat?
0: Uh, uh, You know, the problem is we get along too well as siblings that we'd be like, no, you take the inheritance. No,
2: no, you have it. Oh, Uh, wow. (laughs) If someone says that to you. My, my like advice, they, is, my advice is grab it. Yeah,
1: exactly. <laughs> thank yeah. you. I'm the oldest.
0: I, I get that uh, first choice. So oh, there you go. I'd like to think. <laughs> um, lots of cu- stuff coming up in the new year, guys, uh, with uh, regards to the podcast. So I want to encourage everybody to keep tuning in. Um, for now, we'll, we'll say goodbye to uh, Kirk and Haley. I'm going to come back, and we're going to be speaking to Matthew Klippenstein right after this. Joining us now, it is engineer Matthew Klippenstein. He leads Electron Communications. You can also find his writing in the National Observer. Matthew, thanks for joining us on the show.
3: Thanks for having me again,
0: Tyler. So you've got some Q3 electric vehicle sales new data out uh, this uh, in the last few weeks here. And it seems as if, you know, BC and Quebec, they keep trading the lead every single year. Where is British Columbia right now in terms of vehicle sales for electrics?
3: Yeah. So um, for the year, our market share uh, at the moment, uh, we're talking in about mid-December, we're probably a little bit uh, north of 4%. Mm-hmm. So 4% of all vehicle sales in British Columbia are plug-in electric vehicles. Now, you can also you know, adjust that slightly for the fact that most electric vehicles are effectively sedans. There's no trucks or not many large SUV offerings out there, in which case uh, the market share would be probably north of 10% for that smaller category. Uh, but on the broader terms, um, you know, we can just call it 4%.
0: So what have we been doing here in British Columbia to really foster that ownership where we're taking the lead versus the rest of the country?
3: Sure, so BC and Quebec have traded the lead for many years uh, in terms of um, electric vehicles as a percent uh, market share wise. And I think it does help that we have some proximity to California, we have milder weather, and we also have a, car buying public who at least in the cities tend to be more environmentally focused um BC has since since like forever been the market share leader for uh conventional hybrids sometimes now called self-charging hybrids like the the ubiquitous prius taxi so bc has been the um the market share leader for those in canada and now it looks like that's transferring over to plug-in electric vehicles as well Quebec has had the lead in terms of a very industrial and savvy uh, – of very savvy uh, industrial policy in terms of encouraging electric transportation. They brought in a ZEV mandate, a zero-emission vehicle mandate. You can think of it as a, a gradually rising uh, quota, if you will, of um, uh, car sales that have to be electric. BC has now followed. Uh, that was part of the uh, lead-up to the Clean BC policy announcement. And, um, I would think that we're in a good position to actually have some consecutive years, perhaps, of leadership, um, um, perhaps pull away a little bit from Quebec unless they double down and put in their own more aggressive policies
0: okay uh, the thing I'm always fascinated by Quebec is uh, they, I think they also lead Canada in terms of pickup truck sales as well so it's a little bit of a dichotomy of what's going on within that province mm-hmm. what do you think though of the future of you know seeing sales pick up in a jurisdiction like Ontario largest uh, population of all in Canada? But I wonder if there's a government right now that they've come out, they're not really fostering maybe sales the way that we've seen in other jurisdictions across Canada.
3: Uh, that's right. Um, and, you know, um, there's uh, there's nothing wrong with a, a voting public choosing a government which has policies that one prefers or doesn't prefer. The short-term effect of uh, Doug Ford uh, cancelling the very generous uh, up to $14,000 uh, plug-in electric vehicle rebates, um, is that supply that had been once destined for Ontario is now shifting and being sent to BC and Quebec instead. So in the short term, that, um, will benefit British Columbians. Uh, wait lists should get somewhat shorter. Uh, and in the longer term, again, with a BC focus, the, the ZEV mandate should improve and other vehicle types where the total cost of ownership um, may come close to and below conventional uh, combustion vehicles soon. Then you kind of get adoption in the in the broader population.
0: I feel, you know, maybe I, if I've been asking this question every single year, I will keep saying, hey, is next year going to be the big breakout year? Are we going to see sales, you know, go up exponentially higher? How is 2019 shaping up to be with regards to, I guess, intentions for adoption or just what you're picking up from the industry overall?
3: Yes, so 2019 should be quite an exciting year. Uh Hyundai and Kia will both have uh plug-in hybrid and fully electric uh from sedans. So that is very exciting. There are also some very compelling awesome plug-in electric vehicle in Canada this year, the Tesla Model 3. Uh I think the real uh the real step change that we'll see and with the best-selling vehicle in Canada, 50 odd years running, to have a plug-in option, some people will want that. It'll make a lot of sense for their uh, their, their lifestyle, their use case. And there's where we go from this kind of city-constrained uh, vehicle types into this the heart of pickup territory, reaching reaching out beyond just city limits, if you will, with uh, electric vehicles.
0: I'm not sure if you have an uh, opinion or or any thoughts on this particular topic, but if you look at the closure of the GM plants in Ontario and there's talks, maybe Tesla comes in Mm -hmm. and converts it to some sort of factory. Is that a a practical idea that's being floated out there right now? What do you think the opportunities
3: are ahead? Um, So... GM announced the closure of the Oshawa plant and a a number of plants in the United States. That was largely driven by low utilization of those plants. Uh, Those plants were typically making about 50% of capacity, and rule of thumb in the auto sector is you need to run at 80% capacity to be break-even. So it's understandable that GM would do some retrenching. Um, I think there would be a tremendous opportunity for uh, plug-in electric vehicle makers to, to basically inherit... A, or to purchase at low price a factory, which comes with a trained workforce who have all the all the nuanced skills you need for automobile assembly and the logistics, therefore, inside a sector, um, inside like an, an auto manufacturing belt, if you will. It was interesting that a few weeks before this GM announcement, uh, BYD, the Chinese uh, um, battery-turned vehicle maker owned 10%-ish by Warren Buffett, they had previously announced plans to make an electric truck factory in Ontario, and then they had uh, decided not to move forward with it. Uh, if their minds could be changed, you know, here's a perfect opportunity for them. There are some other um, manufacturers of electric buses or trucks, heavier duty vehicles, who could also benefit from gaining a, f- a facility in that uh, sort of not quite eastern seaboard, but in the uh, on that coast. And the reason I'm emphasizing these manufacturers as opposed to automakers is that uh, automakers, um, because of this need to run at 80% capacity before, you know, to avoid losing money, they are very leery of expanding production right now. Mm. I would not expect a large OEM to jump in unless it was Tesla, which does seem to be uh, um, on a, which is on a growth path. Uh, but for these smaller manufacturers, for electric trucks and vans, these, these commodity markets where your total cost of ownership is competitive today and will only improve from here, I think uh, I, have, I have great hopes that Ontario can land one or, or perhaps uh, other uh, manufacturers to, to use that facility.
0: So, Matthew, if we shift over to another you know uh, sphere of your expertise here and talk a little bit about the potential for fuel cell vehicles moving forward, uh, there's a story out in Bloomberg this week, and it's pointing to the potential for exploding demand in China. Mm-hmm. So does that mean that Vang Vancouver's ecosystem should look forward for uh, that increased demand or should it be fearful of the competition coming out of China with regards to developers there that are recognizing that mm-hmm. there is big demand that is pent up right now
3: right so it's a bit of both um China has been uh what we call it we'd say the Middle Kingdom has made itself the center of gravity for fuel cells as it has for batteries as it did for solar panels and um Already Canadian manufacturers of fuel cell technology, fuel cell expertise, uh, China is already a key market for them. Um, uh, one hopes they don't get affected by the diplomatic spat uh, caused by the uh, the detaining of the Huawei executive. Um, so there's already recognition in the hydrogen fuel cell sector of the critical importance of China. And the key for um, the fuel cell cluster here, as you mentioned, will be to make sure that our technology stays a step ahead of um homegrown Chinese competition so that uh, we can maintain that value proposition and uh, and not mm, lose out to them.
0: We, we do have a multi-decade head start, but are there concerns, I don't know, with maybe acquisitions of intellectual property that they could be catching up much quicker than, you know, some people would think it makes
3: sense? Right. So um- – from my reading and my communication within the industry there is still a um, you know the the Vancouver design development the the depth of expertise remains you know well ahead of the competition but it would be very unwise to underestimate a a very uh, you know they have a very wide bench there like thirty times our population maybe forty times so um, I at the moment I think it's uh, it's safe to say that we are ahead. Um, I would encourage uh, policy and uh, industrial policy, public policy uh, to be directed so that we can maintain that advantage and reap the benefits uh, going forward.
0: Uh, And on that, Mark, I mean, why don't we talk a little bit about some of the biggest stories uh, that's happened this year uh, uh, with regards to, say, Ballard and Weichai. Uh, Weichai ended up buying a stake in Ballard for $163 million here. I mean, for me, this stands out as a big story. Uh, A, is it a big story to you? And B, why should we be paying attention to uh, this uh, joint venture between this Vancouver company and this Chinese company?
3: Yeah, I think it's uh, it is a, a very big deal. It uh, demonstrates, among other things, that um, Chinese companies recognize the value, the the fact that the Vancouver fuel cell cluster is ahead of the game. Um, it's not just Ballard. Uh, there are other uh, ventures. Loop Energy is uh, is making fuel cell range extenders for uh, for battery electric trucks. They their initial market is China as well. Uh, a spin-off of the now closed AFCC joint venture uh, overdrive engineering is doing engineering design manufacturing work uh, additionally with almost certainly a chinese focus so uh, it is a big deal it's an affirmation of the value that we've created uh, through our technology development through our expertise in fuel cells thanks to a uh, long standing support and um i guess i would say that uh, there's a very big opportunity not just on the fuel cell side because the same week that Weiqi announced its large announcement uh, its large investment in Ballard the very same week they announced a joint venture with Westport uh based in Vancouver which makes natural gas engines so even if those aren't you know, zero emission vehicles those are still significantly significantly cleaner uh than diesel uh, the the diesel incumbents that uh, will need to be replaced and so uh, not just in fuel cells but Vancouver's clean transportation sector if you will has caught um, the attention of uh, Chinese companies and uh, hopefully we can we can profit uh, broadly from that
0: if we shift back to electric vehicles and if you had to pick out you know a, a big story I know a lot of the Tesla stuff is very headline grabbing are there bigger stories going on, or if maybe you had to pick one Tesla story from this past year, what do you think is the thing that we should be paying attention to?
3: Sure, I think actually. Um, so I think we've had our Model T reveal. The Model T of the electric vehicle world uh, was revealed this year, but it wasn't the Tesla Model Three. If you remember uh, the Model T uh, Ford, that was like the base, you know, for the entry level consumer. It made it made combustion vehicles, you know, affordable, ubiquitous, and Late this year, far overshadowed by, uh, by, uh, Tesla, which is, you know, fantastic on the marketing, on the mindshare. Uh, a little announced, uh, vehicle at, I believe the Paris Auto Show was the Renault K-ZE. It stands for quid-zero emissions. And the Renault quid is a $4,000 car manufactured in India profitably by Nissan. And they had their cost optimizer guru de- develop an electric vehicle version. Now, they haven't announced pricing, but the target for the Indian market for this vehicle was reputed to be $8,000 US for an electric vehicle, which would go 200, 200 odd kilometers. So perhaps 150 kilometers in North American style driving. Uh, Nissan, the Nissan Renault Alliance, the Renault-Nissan Alliance hasn't announced pricing for this, but it's expected that this should come in under twelve thousand dollars US for a uh, a vehicle which has uh, the amenities Western drivers like, like you know, uh, a backwards facing camera for your uh, um, and other amenities uh, for twelve thousand dollars for a vehicle that will satisfy your city driving. Uh, it will go on sale in China next year and then go to Europe by about twenty twenty one. So I think. Uh, if if uh, electric vehicles can, can get – once electric vehicles are at that price point, rather, uh, I think that this K-ZE, um, for which I hope they have a, a fancier name soon, uh, will will be a spectacular breakthrough because uh, not only will electric vehicles be successful at the mid-level, at the higher higher levels, but here we have – we will have a vehicle from a – european brand for a from a first world brand if you will offering an entry-level vehicle uh which can start to you know shake up the uh, the combustion market uh, going forward
0: where do you see tesla going in 2019 though i because there's a lot of question marks about its viability and i would not be shocked if we really see a lot of these larger automakers you know really explode onto the scene and you're mm-hmm. kind of alluding to it with the Nissan-Renault alliance mm-hmm. uh, aside from all the executive shenanigans that uh, yes. are, are going on right yes. now. But uh, what is the story for Tesla going to be in 2019?
3: I think, I think the story for Tesla will be the finances will far outshadow whatever vehicle announcements uh, they make. Um, just yesterday, I believe, uh, uh, Elon Musk announced that his SpaceX company was going to pursue another $500 million of funding. This was on the heels of a reveal that uh, in in return for some services SpaceX provided to his tunneling company, they took a, an equity stake. Basically, there are so many distractions with Elon Musk right now that I think that risks over, overshadowing the Tesla story, which should by all rights be a fantastic sort of, you know, ivory, you know, perfect, beautiful um, narrative. And I think that uh, the news for Tesla in 2019 will be dominated, will be dogged by, you know, is the SEC coming after him again? Will the Department of Justice come in? What crazy things will Elon Musk do next? And that's a tragedy for all of the hardworking employees at Tesla. I've, I've, uh uh, and I've uh, interacted with many of them. They're, you know, stellar, stellar people like everyone else in the auto industry I've, I've dealt with. And um, I do hope that, uh, uh, you know, Tesla ends 2019 on an upbeat note, um, because it looks like they might be taking a few punches uh, in, in, the, in the earlier parts of the year.
0: Uh, before we let you go, Matthew, any final thoughts in twenty eighteen? Any final thoughts, maybe twenty nineteen? Just with regards to all the different topics we uh, addressed today.
3: Um. Yes, I guess uh, I'd uh, I'd say that the uh, the electric vehicle market Canada wide has hit about two percent. Um, we'll we'll end the year a little bit above two percent, and for the first time since uh, electric vehicles became available, we may actually edge out our southern cousins in market share, and uh, you know. Canadians like to have a little bit of a competition with the with the bigger guys down south. So it's it's nice that uh, we may have something something else to you know, jab them about uh, on occasion.
0: Fair enough. Uh, Matthew, always a pleasure. Thanks for joining us on the show today. Yeah,
3: thanks for having me again.
0: That was Matthew Klippenstein. He leads Electron Communications. You can also find his writing in the National Observer. That's it for us for, in fact, the year. But we're going to be back in about two weeks with more podcasts coming up. So keep tuning in. For now, you can go to iTunes or Stitcher to find our archives and go to BIV.com for more of our stories. We'll see you all in 2019.